The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The show is brought to you by our generous patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. Robots Radio presents the Fallout Lorecast. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, a place for the Fallout community to come together to explore the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. All right, everybody, it's that time again. Time for the Fallout Lorecast, and it is the patron episode for this month, January. And I am here with some of our tier four and potentially higher patrons. And we are talking this week about the Brotherhood of Steel. The Brotherhood of Steel, the uh, everybody's favorite group of uh, ironclad soldier guys that wear funny suits and talk about weird titles and uh with me as usual uh, for, first of all i'm tom or robots and with me as usual is laney laney's here my co-host how's it going it's going good i'm covered in cherries yeah she's Life got good. cherries all over her shirt we're live again it is monday night on twitch.tv slash robots radio at 9 p.m eastern 6 p.m pacific and we have a uh, an interesting cast of characters here this week we have uh, let's just go alphabetically through them we have Firewriter returning fire how's it going Hey, doing all right. How are you? Good, good. She has her ghoul lover shirt on from for her stream. This is looking awesome. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Which Lainey helped design, I hear. Lainey did design. Very, I did. Very cool. <laughs> very cool. And then um, we have Nighttime Smith. Nighttime Smith is joining us. Welcome. Hello. How's it going? It's going great. How are you guys? Good, good. I like all the flags behind you. You've got a NCR I, back there. I like there. flags and I like maps. Got a couple of custom stuff. I'm also wearing my vault 76 nice vault suit nice and uh, i see is that nuka cola up on the shelf behind you back there yeah i made those from uh cokes i got quantum oh nice uh nuka cola cherry and regular nuka cola very very cool yeah we have a quantum one for when they were part of like jones soda made some they were like a yeah. target yeah we got one of those i rebottled mine i put it in a original coke bottle <laughs> oh nice nice well very cool well, welcome and then we also have joining us for the first time pie man pie man welcome to the show I don't know if Pie Man is Thank here. You. Oh, there he is. I, his video went away, but his voice is still here. Pie Man, how's it going? Good. Good, good. Pie Man's a longtime listener and now a truck driver who is a first time uh, tier four subscriber. I appreciate the support, buddy. Uh, you good? <laughs> okay. I can't see you, so I don't know if you're going to respond or not. And then we have uh, Saber again joining us. Saber, welcome back. Hello. Hello. How's, how are things? How's life? Uh, I went from two work days a week to only getting two days off a week. Oh, no. So. Well, uh, that's, that's a big flip. I mean, two days off a week is kind of normal, right? That's good. Yeah. Right. Unless your other days are just absolutely crazy busy, like you're working, you know, 16 hours or something. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. It's, it just surprised me all of a sudden. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. And then uh, returning again is Victor. Victor, welcome back. 
Hi. Oh, yes, I'm here. <laughs> and Victor also has a Ghoul Lover shirt. Looking good. Yes. Looking good. Definitely worth the purchase. Team Ghoul Lover over here. Well, very cool, guys. Well, thank you for joining me. We may have other people pop in as we go. Uh, a number of people couldn't make it today. And if you didn't make it today and you would like to send me a uh, little snippet or whatever, I don't know if you're watching us live or some, for some reason you didn't make it, but uh, if you are a member of the tier four or higher patrons and you don't make it, you're always welcome to record a little bit that I'll add into the episode uh, later or a future episode. So why don't we kick this off, guys? We're talking this week about the Brotherhood of Steel. They've been a big focus in Fallout 76, which is, of course, the ongoing regular content that they're putting out. Uh, they've been in every other Fallout game. They are a major focus of the franchise, and uh, they've been represented in different ways in different games. So I thought it would be not only interesting, but also timely with so much of the Fallout 76 content now focusing around the return of the Brotherhood to Appalachia, or at least the coming of the Brotherhood to Appalachia sort of return. And uh, some of the some of the details that we deal with in um, uh, Aperture is just responding to Discord right now. I had some psycho corner me and rant at me for the last 40 minutes. Holy crap, I have no idea what's going on. Hopefully he can make it to the stream. Can somebody uh, shoot him a note and say, hey, come join us. Um, but what I wanted to say is in Fallout 76, we have this interesting dichotomy between some of the characters who definitely show different interpretations of what the Brotherhood is about and the way they go about achieving their goals. And that is very interesting to me because that's the way a lot of things work in the real world. Just because you have kind of marching orders or a philosophy doesn't mean that you the way you achieve that is set in stone. It can be very different. And like we're going to discuss in this episode, potentially, sometimes those marching orders change with time or with different leadership and different perspectives or even an individual who changes an opinion over time. So why don't we kick this off? I want to I want to throw out an idea. I'm going to throw out some questions during this discussion. And you guys, if you would like to chime in, go ahead and raise your hand and, and we'll unmute you or. You know, if you if I can't see you physically, you can kind of pop in at some point and say, hey, I'd like to say something about that. Um, but to start this off, why don't we talk about the origins of the Brotherhood and the way it started? And I know Victor specifically has dug a little bit more into that stuff. We did some episodes on that a long time ago, about two years ago now. And Victor, what did you come to as you've now kind of looked back at Roger Maxson and the origin of the Brotherhood and the, the initial philosophy? So. To go actually a little bit further back before the actual philosophy of the Brotherhood of Steel, mm -hmm. the reason the Brotherhood of Steel came about is because of the Mariposa Rebellion. Uh, just a quick reminder for everyone, that is when the uh, armed forces at the Mariposa testing facility, where they were testing the FEV on war prisoners, right. was occurring, Roger Maxson found out um, he was captain, at the time, that was his rank. Um, and his other captain apparently just locked himself, actually, in his bunk, in his bunk um, until very close to the end. And just before Roger went into the room, he killed himself. Mm -hmm. But um, essentially, the entire, entire contingent mutinied. And I'm not exactly sure what they were trying to say in... Hi, Aperture. Uh, hey. Hey, welcome, Aperture. Uh, yeah, we've already started the show. You can feel free to join us. Um, I hope everything's working out technologically for you. Oh my god, I've had a psychopath ranting and raving at me for the last 45 minutes. I'm sorry I'm late, guys. 
or yeah, or humanly worked out for you. I'm, that sucks. I'm sorry. Uh, well, make yourself comfortable. Uh, if you can get the video working, then you're welcome to do that as well. And if not, that's fine. Victor is right now talking about uh, the pre-origins of the Brotherhood and some of the stuff that went on at Mariposa that kind of formulated some of their uh, the origins of the, the group. So go, go ahead, Victor. Sorry. It's okay. Um, so I'm not sure what they were trying to say in in this, but it was saying that the uh, group of armed forces seceded from from the military, which is not actually a thing. <laughs> um, but presumably they're just saying we are an armed force, but we are no longer part of the United States military because it's become very clear to us that the United States military knew what was going on when they ordered us to do this and right um, right yeah that, that was always my interpretation of like secede is maybe not the right word but they uh they openly mutinied i guess yeah, you could say they that definitely did. yeah um and the reason i bring that up is because the reason why besides just being a you know testing human experimentation on war prisoners is generally a bad idea mm -hmm. it is literally against international law um I ended up doing a lot of research into the um, just following orders, Nuremberg defense, all of that stuff, most notably known as the Nuremberg defense, uh, due to the uh, tribunals for the for Nazi war criminals. Mm -hmm. And actually, I found out in more recent times, it did go all the way down to lower tier, lower tier guards who were being charged with crimes against humanity because of their complicit, complicit nature right. at the camps. Right. So it's not just Roger himself who would have been at risk, but his entire, every man below him mm -hmm. would have been at risk of coming under the order of war crimes if anybody ever found out about it. So them, them mutinying due to the way military oaths are, presuming they didn't change all that much during the fallout section of that time period, literally require them to disobey those orders. Oh, yeah. I mean, this would have been huge had the had the United States government not collapsed and they would have had to deal with the repercussions yeah. of this. They would have been brought up on all sorts of charges for sure. Or more bombs would have dropped so that America didn't have to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I wanted to bring that up is it's not just them disagreeing with their orders it is them by their own beliefs following their their overstanding our uh, orders to obey the law right right um and then when it comes to the original concept a lot of people just due to the fact of the way the brotherhood of steel is uh displayed in 370 uh three New Vegas for and now upcoming possibly with 76. Um, I apologize for the shaking. It is very cold in my apartment. <laughs> no, um, no worries. <laughs> it's seen as, oh, dumb, uh, dumb civilians can't handle the technology, so we're going to take it all. That is not what they were founded on. Mm -hmm. uh, in my reading, in checking with the Falloutpedia, which, of course, Tom, you've used them before as a reference, they're generally pretty good about sourcing everything. Yeah. The purpose was not to keep it away from people. It was to preserve this technology so that when humanity gets to a point where they could benefit from that jump in technology to get closer back to pre-war technology for the good of mankind, mm -hmm. it was the word being used was a catalyst, a catalyst to bring us back to that level of prosperity 
Right. The issue happened is they began working, uh, the West Coast contingent started working with the NCR. They were known as powerful because they had all of that technology, especially power arming. And they grew powerful, and then they grew complacent. And out of nowhere, the Enclave came up with, I'd say out of nowhere, but to them, came out of nowhere with even more advanced technology. And that kind of shock to the system, and of course, centuries, literally centuries of change, led that philosophy of saving it for later to saving it from humanity. And right, right. Maybe this is a lot, of, a bit of my predisposition towards the Brotherhood of Steel, but also a bit of a sense of we're better than them because we know how to use the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's really where it's kind of going over is that change in philosophy, um, and of course the really historical meat of why they actually did rebel. Right, um, right. So this leads me. Course, uh, so, do you have some more stuff you want to add in? Go ahead. Despite my dislike for the quote-unquote modern Brotherhood of Steel, what we see in 3, etc., I actually have a lot of respect for Roger Maxson. He did an incredible job of keeping the Force together, while one of the things I noticed was, uh, it's actually stated, he created the Brotherhood system of paladins and scribes to completely divorce themselves from the United States military. Mm -hmm. Because part of the fear was... If they kept those ranks, the Enclave could easily take them back over because they would be familiar with the ranks of the United States. Sure, sure. And it's also a a psychological distancing as well. If you're a lieutenant and you keep calling yourself a lieutenant, then it still feels like you're part of the same military group. But to all of a sudden call yourself a knight is a very different thing. Completely different thing. So overall... um, yeah, that's really a, a good bit of what I found out about the origin, which is not as clearly displayed in the 3D fallouts compared to possibly what's in one and two. Right, right. That's a so, great. Um, a, before. Yeah, that's a great summary. Uh, so, the my thoughts on this um, lead me to the question of, at the time of the bombs dropping and the formation of the Brotherhood of Steel. And this I'm going to open this up to anybody. So if you want to chime in, go ahead and raise your raise your hand or if you're just on audio, you know, politely say, "Hey, I've got an idea if, or I've got some thoughts if there's kind of a gap." Um how do you guys feel about that initial I I don't know, statement of purpose. I don't know what to call it, but this idea of it is our it is somebody's job to collect all of the technology and hold on to it for a time when we're ready to use it again to bring humanity back to prosperity. Do you think that's a, a noble thing? Do you think it's it's a viable thing, Aperture? I think it's actually kind of a um, arrogant, selfish, selfish thing. Um, like, yeah, they've got the firepower and the training, and they have a noble goal, but they think that they're the only ones that can handle this. Like, white knighting is a very um, what's the word for it? It's it's a very like I I'm the hero in this situation. Please do not resist us saving you, and we will save you by force if necessary. Kind of like you get where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they and some of the leadership has taken it that way uh, that way before. Yeah. Like some of them have very much yeah. done that, and, and and that connects to some of the dichotomy that happens in Fallout 76 between 
Um, it's a similar dichotomy for those of you who are more familiar with three and four of the Lions Brotherhood and the Maxon Brotherhood. Lions Brotherhood was much more inclusive. They were they had the means and the power, but they weren't against opening themselves up to bring other people in in order to share that with other people and be more inclusive about it. Hey, we might be the ones who have this ability right now, but that doesn't mean that we're the only ones that are supposed to have the ability or, and the power and the technology. Victor? Well, that's probably, that's actually uh, something that I had, that's something I actually slightly left out is originally when Roger Maxson created the Brotherhood of Steel, it was welcome to, you could join and become an initiate. Right. It's sometime between Roger Max, after Roger Maxson's death and pre-Fallout 1, that the, that they closed ranks and they stopped accepting outsiders. So for the original purpose, when they were still accepting outsiders, and keep in mind, it's not just the military training. Most of humanity got completely wiped out. And who... Those who may be skilled enough to help with rebuilding, most of them are in vaults. Mm -hmm. Right. When you're in the military, you aren't just trained in battle. They Part of the reason why they were able to create the scribes is because you are taught a lot of maintenance. And with such a highly mechanically based military, there's you know, radios, power armor, electric, uh, you know, EMP we weapons, energy weapons. Mm-hmm. They would have enough of the basics to be able to preserve technology, not just in the sense of maybe not using it, but maintaining it. Right. right. Anybody who has a car can tell you, just keeping a car in a covered garage, in, in a closed-off garage for 20 years, is not preserving that car. <laughs> You're not going to maintain it. It's not going to run 20 years later. Yeah. It's not going to. Right, right. You have so to, you have, to no, have maintenance it's not. to it. Right. So... Um, so, okay, so back to the question of uh, the Brotherhood of Steel, the Lions, let's, let's do the Lions philosophy being more open or the Maxon philosophy being more closed. Aperture, are you saying that the, the Maxon philosophy, the, the more recent Maxon, the Fallout 4 Maxon philosophy of being more closed and, hey, we're the only ones who can handle this, you, you inherently have a rejection of that. What about the Lions perspective? Do you think that there's still a certain, hey, we're still the special ones thing going on there? I th um, I don't have as much of an issue with the lions' uh, method of doing things because, it, like you said, they're they're more inclusive. It you're still kind of holding, um, it's kind of like holding a cookie over uh, over a hungry dog, you know. Uh -huh. Yeah, you'll eventually give the you'll eventually give the dog the cookie, but right now you've got them snapping at this. You know, this safe life, this these resources, this food, this shelter, uh, you know, your, your, your hierarchy of needs. Sure. Um, you see all these power armored folks marking through, walking through the wasteland. Wow, I'd like to join them. And you, you have the opportunity to join them. But if something is keeping you from joining them, you know, you're not, you know, you're, you're radiated to the point where your brain doesn't work so great or you're, you're not physically strong enough to be a foot soldier you're still kind of held back. I, I, they aren't really a humanitarian organization from what, I, from what I've been able to see so far. Mm -hmm. You know where, where I'm getting with that kind of deal? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and I think that has to do with um, short-term needs compared to long-term needs and who gets to make that decision. You know, like... Long-term long -term needs don't 
mean a damn thing if you don't live to see those long-term needs. Right, right. And that's where that's where it all comes down to perspective, right? From the perspective of somebody outside of the brotherhood mm-hmm. who can't be a part of the brotherhood or who doesn't want to be part of the brotherhood, then those short-term needs are, are definitely going to trump the long-term needs in a situation like living in the wasteland. Because you've got raiders and creatures and radiation and lack of food and all of the lack of water, all of these things, the short term needs are definitely going to trump that. But you take a group of people who are surrounded by a support structure and have the means to get the food and protect themselves and do whatever. And then all of a sudden, those short term needs of the other people may not seem as important as the long term needs of the you know, the keeping humans going in the long term kind of thing, because and, and, and I'm not I'm not saying that I side on any of these things. My job here is to offer different perspectives in order to get the conversation going. So from the perspective of somebody in the brotherhood, they might be thinking we could be helping these people. But then there's we're just going to stew in our own lack of ability to to rise out of this muck. And so in some ways, those people are worth sacrificing in order to make sure that we can actually eventually get humanity out of the muck again. It's one of those like, do the means justify the ends kind of philosophies, right? Yeah, that brings you around to the trolley problem right there. Is is it worth sacrificing these, you know, these five uh, wastelanders right here? Uh, you, you know, they're going to live right. in muck for the rest of their lives, but uh, the Brotherhood will carry on. It's great for the people in the Brotherhood, and I think at its core, the Brotherhood could could and does do some fantastic good for the Wasteland. But, you know, having a, an apple with a strong core doesn't mean much if you bite, if you have to bite through two inches of rot to get to it, you know? <laughs> you, got, you got all the analogies tonight. Um okay. Yeah, let's let's open this up to some of the rest of you guys. Do you have any other thoughts on this? Any anyone else want to chime in? Anyone else? Um, yeah, go for it. Um, see, what I wanted to say was, uh, I like that the Brotherhood of Steel is a little bit less inclusive because of the power that it has. If it, I mean, it's not like they're keeping, you know, agricultural, you know, technologies or or stuff like that. They're talking about stuff like nukes access codes to military systems, you know, stuff that power armor, laser weapons. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of these people are living subsistence lives. It'd be great if you could distribute weapons, but I mean, if you guys played the new 76 stuff with the, uh, the brotherhood of steel, I mean, half the time you're spending, um, the playthrough trying to get back weapon systems that nobody's trained to use. Nobody has the capability to use properly and ends up getting a lot of people hurt. Um, you know, the problem is that I see with a lot of the Brotherhood of Steel stuff is that they are so powerful if they do get involved, they end up being either kingmakers or they end up controlling the the local, controlling the region. And, you know, with the Maxon Brotherhood of Steel, after um, the events of Fallout 3, they kind of became a regional power. And I guess that wasn't so bad because they were distributing water freely. Mm-hmm. But you still get into a situation where... It's a closed-off order. It's not an open system of government, but yet they still maintain a lot of power, and that's kind of worrying. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, you do is have it, a. Is it? I don't know. Go keep going. Go ahead. Is it, is it kind of better that they they don't get involved in other people's issues and they keep, you know, high high tech military, you know, well. They keep stuff that a lot of people can't use or don't know how to use away from people that are just trying to farm. They're just trying to carve out an existence. Now, you compare that to something. I know this is kind of off topic, but like uh, 
followers of the apocalypse. You know, they go around and they teach a lot of stuff that helps out a lot of these tribal tribal people mm-hmm. gives them the ability to either make medicine or grow food better some of these people don't use that technology properly and you end up having uh, people like the great cons they end up making drugs instead of medicine right right so that's yeah. always the concern that you have stuff with like that but yeah, i don't really yeah. see, the, see, see the brotherhood of steel as somebody that's like oh we're gonna hold back food and this stuff because i mean technically that's what lion's pride did is that they distributed water they tried to take out the super mutants and try to make it a little bit easier in the wasteland for a lot of people right let's go back to aperture because he was kind of talking it looks like you've uh, triggered a response from him <laughs> well you see with lion's pride yeah you're absolutely spot on this but the trouble is is this really 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 falls upon who's in power if you'll think back to maxon in fallout 4 uh you're given a uh quest from the, the, I think it's the quartermaster there in the little shop there, and he basically says, "We're on the airship. We have no way of farming. We need food. Go secure food from the local farms." Uh, and then he kind of, you know, by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you are then tasked with. It's a very high skill check to be able to, to you know, get the food legitimately, or you th- or you basically threaten them. The easy way is to threaten the farms so yeah they do not only do they hold back the the food in the water from from the locals but they actively take from the local farmers and settlements and people just trying to survive so it really depends on who's in leadership you've got a a, a guy like uh lions who uh, is beloved by the people around but then he's vilified by the following leadership and a lot of the following followers of brotherhood of steel so you know it's it really depends where and when you're at Mm -hmm. that's one of the rpg elements too you can either go in and buy the food i mean a lot of the settlements that you went to go get food they were the settlements that the care my character player made so i can easily give them 500 caps or i can talk them down but i never saw the point threatening i think that was more of an rpg element rather than the canonical uh behavior of the brotherhood I was never given that. I, I did that playthrough maybe three times, and I've never been given the option. Uh, like it was always on the edge of the uh, the the crater there, and it was never a. Uh, I never had the option for a peaceful transition. Really? Between. Yeah, it, it just never. That, that might be a quirk, like a glitch in my save file, but it just never came up for me. Because it was either it was seven hundred fifty caps, or I could barter them down to five hundred. If you had a high enough charisma check. Yeah, Victor, do you have are you, something about this? Yeah, so um, on the one hand, I, I think the, the fact that, yes, the Brotherhood of Steel is gleaning, to put it politely, off of the local populace when it comes to food and water. Also saying that while they're only holding back things that people may not be able to use well that's not strictly true a lot of what they're holding back is energy weapons and when you live in a society where raiders are basically the mafia down the street who you pay 50 bucks so they don't break your kneecaps put it quite bluntly having the access to weaponry to protect yourself can be vital to maintaining your ability to get food and water through your own subsistence living so in a way by preventing these people from having access to even possibly just like well-maintained 
vanilla uh, weapons, like 1911 uh, handguns, or, you know, your basic uh, cartridge mm-hmm. uh, firearms. Ballistic firearms, yeah. Ballistic firearms, thank yeah. you. Um, by preventing the populace from having access to that, you are prote- you are basically at least decreasing the amount of of uh, food and sustenance and water that they, you can create for yourself. Because if you can't protect it, they're going to take it. Um, on the other hand, I would also say, though, that there is um, plenty of evidence in various different cultures where um, the equivalence of... Uh, giving possibly energy weapons to your common settlers these days in in fallout would possibly be comparable to say uh providing rifles to the various samurai warlords uh at the end of the, the sengoku jidai in japanese history it's yeah th- they might be able to protect things better but then also there's a whole bunch to it and it's a it's very much a What's going to happen when you give those high, high damage weapons to people who may not know quite properly how to use them or will overuse them, so to speak? And I can see Aperture wants to say something. Yeah, go for it. Well, that's, that's the gun argument all, all, all over again. That's the, um, you know, that comes back to the a polite society is an armed society or fewer guns you have out there, the, the, the less gun crime there's going to be. Or So... I think it, it translates very well to a very, very highly debated topic in today's uh, yeah in today's society. Oh, certainly, certainly, and that's that's oh, part of what's fun about the Brotherhood in general is that many of these things actually resonate with current day society in a lot of ways. The gun topic, uh, the the concept of um, who gets to make the decision—is it the rights of the Brotherhood to make the decision for other people, or should the other people all have the choice to? You know, take the risk of dealing with, you know, high explosive weapons or whatever, even if they weren't trained on them, you know, like that, that's a very libertarian versus, um, I don't know what the flip side of that, where uh, the words fall out of my head. But like this idea of is it is it the responsibility of a governmental system or some sort of system to make those decisions for the people or should the people be able to make those decisions for themselves? Like, where is the line there? And I mean, all of these things are very good current day debatable topics for sure. So, all right. So I feel like we've, we've hit this pretty good. Anyone else have any thoughts on this specific point before we move into anything else? And, and those of you who are on voice chat who aren't in video right now, feel free to chime in as well. So nothing else about that stuff. Um, so this leads me to another question. And I think, I think there's kind of we kind of hit on it a little bit as we were discussing it, but would let's let's do a little thought experiment here. Would the wasteland be better off had the Brotherhood never formed? Think from all the way back from Roger Maxon. Laney's got some some thoughts on this. The Brotherhood never forms. Would the wasteland be better off? In this case, this would be the extreme of the weapons end up in the hands of whoever happens to be able to get them, right? Extreme on that side of the end of things. What do you think, Clay? So, I mean, there's a couple ways it could go, right? Is like you could end up in a situation where uh, someone else just takes up the need to do to fulfill the same thing, and all the weapons end up end up in the hands of someone who is terrible. You know, it could it could go that way, or it could be something better than the Brotherhood. 
or anything else. The the issue with like debating would it be like there is there it's not a simple black and white answer. Like it's not a it is going to be better because the brotherhood is or isn't here. Because something will fill that place. Even if um even if it Am I still here? Okay. okay still even here. if it comes down to um everyone somehow getting their hands on something, right? Like would that allow for the wasteland to kind of moderate itself would they moderate themselves probably not because humans are crazy so like right. it's just you would just come up with something else to like does it turn into somebody ends up hoarding whoever is strongest and meanest ends up taking everything anyway and therefore you don't even have an organization like the brotherhood you just have the great cons or you just have a different organization fulfilling the same need for like another organization that's already there be it the enclave or be it the literally anything else a single gang of raiders that decides that they're in charge right right you know right. Someone because else the people with that. power end up being the people within power and they they end up with a worse philosophy than the brotherhood right and that's kind of where you're going with that um i know victor and too. i know victor and aperture wanted to chime in here but i want to i want to give anyone else who hasn't had a chance to talk yet uh the option to talk first if anybody else wants to fire do you have any thoughts on this or uh saber sabers here you guys no fire you're muted still Sorry, there I you was go. trying to add you. um i don't know what i accidentally did there okay uh it's so hard to answer that because of the way that it morphed over time because if you ask that question in what 20 sorry trying math 21 20 or whatever the hell it is and versus if you ask that question in 2287 you're gonna have like very different answers because you're looking at such incredibly different versions of the brotherhood of steel so if you want sure. to take the very very long view yeah let's talk let's talk in the long term in the in the long term of the way the wasteland seems to evolve all the way to fallout 4 which is the latest date that we seem to have anything on do you think it would be the wasteland would have been better off without the brotherhood there at all i think in that case yeah because um the brotherhood seems to like deteriorate so much over time and it's like every time we encounter them they seem worse off and i mean that could just be an effect of a little bit of flanderizing going on but um they just seem to really become so insular and dare i say fascist <laughs> by the time we get to fallout 4 that i i don't think i'm ever going to argue for pro-fascist right right <laughs> right yeah yeah okay um saber do you have any thoughts on this i don't know if saber's gonna chime in or not oh there you go unmuted i'm kind of just here for the ride okay all right all right yeah we'll hang out and if you if you feel like you want to say something then jump go ahead and jump in all right we've got aperture and victor here with some thoughts actually everybody's got some thoughts nighttime why don't we jump to you because you haven't had a, a whole lot of chance to talk yet either uh the easy answer is um most of the player characters in the entire series wouldn't have the help that they would need to complete the game in the first game you need to find the brotherhood of steel in order to get power armor to track down the master, they also sent uh, a unit to destroy the rem the remnants of the master's army at Mariposa military base. Fallout mm -hmm. Two, they mm -hmm. helped you along to try to find Vault Thirteen. Uh, Fallout New Vegas, they weren't really that important. They were kind of this, you know, 
in well right, kind of a tertiary know, faction yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i mean they they weren't interested in any any type of control uh what they did want was archimedes 2 the weapons program mm-hmm. uh other than that they really didn't care other than just have it a piece with uh, the ncr and then of course fallout 3 if they weren't around you wouldn't have been able to defeat the enclave because nobody else was capable right uh and then fallout 4 uh if you chose to play with uh the brotherhood of steel i mean there are several options you can use uh, use to destroy the institute if you so choose so right that's, so that's, the, that's an interesting point so if we go back yeah. to fallout 1 if the brotherhood's not there then two questions come to mind one does the master just win outright and is the world just turned into super mutants and humans eventually go away or two is there another organization that would have had access to power armor and the ability to stop the master that would have risen to power in the absence in, in the you know like you have a vacuum here right the brotherhood's not there but that doesn't mean power armor's not there it doesn't mean that the technology's not there where would that technology have been victor the enclave the enclave you think victor you've been waiting so i think Lenny hit on it pretty well of if the brotherhood does not form there is a power vacuum right and i would actually argue that either the brotherhood or something very like the brotherhood has to form because one of the several of the groups that we know of that end up becoming factions over time i'm thinking not just about the brotherhood of seal but also the responders came out of pre-formed organizations the responders were built up of emt and firefighters somebody like the like the brotherhood is inevitable just simply because of the background that we have during the pre-war era do you think now do you think in fallout one that that would have been the enclave no you don't think the enclave would have in the vacuum taken the opportunity to claim a lot of the weapons and power armor things for themselves i think it really depends the the brotherhood of steel isn't necessarily based on just roger maxson so if we if we ask the question of well what happens if there's not a brotherhood of steel there will still be members of the united states armed forces at forts with nuclear bunkers mm-hmm. <laughs> who would have survived do you think they would have been part of say like the ncr in that case yes yeah, and then at, the, at that point the question is is where do their loyalties lie right and that depends a lot of very very nitty-gritty politics that would have happened just as the bombs dropped and roger maxson wasn't silent when he seceded he broadcast what happened to every armed forces that he could Uh on any band he could right right so it's not unreasonable to think you know this is a this is a well-respected captain he was in charge of security at this very important place i i trust him because he's taken the same oaths as i have he's gone through the same training i have Mm -hmm. and he's telling me that we committed war crimes you know i'm not exactly going to believe the politicians over a man who went through the exact same shit i did in training to become a member of our armed forces Now, whether or not they follow the same creed as the Brotherhood is another question entirely. But something like the Brotherhood would inevitably, inevitably. form out of, out of the armed forces, out of the civilian organizations like the responders, possibly the, uh, the, the police. I mean, looking, sure. not being political about it, but with how much yeah. military access the modern police force has, it's not even unreasonable to say that something like a semi-civilian group like Mm-hmm. police well, in a command structure yeah for sure so, 
it's it's not it's I like I said like I, I agree with Eleni. It's not a black and white white thing because you've got the power of vacuum, mm-hmm. and then you've got the fact of there's already organizations that were still maintaining as the bombs fell because they did have protection that was not controlled by Voltac. So right. I apologize right. for rambling that long, but I hope. Oh I'm no! Point that, kind of- yeah, you you definitely got to the point, and I think you've definitely uh, triggered a response by Aperture. So, Aperture, <laughs> what do you, what do you think about all that? He's just nodding his head. Now he's smiling. Well, first uh, first and foremost, uh, I agree with you that the what? Oh, I might be on. Am I, am I lagging? You're here. You're here. Hello? You're still here. We can hear you. Am I still muted? No, you're good. Thumbs up, buddy. He's having connection. Oh, there problems. we go. Sorry. Yeah, you're good. Sorry. Gotta love. Gotta love cheap Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um. Yeah. No, I I gotta agree that um that uh, organizations like the police and all that would fall up to fill the vacuum of the. Of the Brotherhood, I was still in their infancy when, um, when say like the Master was going on. The NCR wasn't really a thing. It was, you know, a group of ragtag settlements of steel. The Master would have succeeded. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think the Enclave would have stepped in to stop them because they were too busy trying to eradicate all mutants, not just one specific evil mutant. Um, <laughs> I really genuinely believe that uh, without the without the Brotherhood of Steel. Uh, having said that, I feel like the Brotherhood of Steel is an organization that needs to exist, fill their purpose, and then fade away. You know, I I don't think that they're that they should be a permanent organization that's always present mm-hmm. you can't really live off your past glories you know yeah yeah and and yeah. pushing their original agenda to like let's let's consolidate all this technology then let's use it to kickstart the human race back to where we're going rather than let's hoard over it and use it as a means to keep ourselves safe and lord over anybody else that we disagree with you know like th- those are two very different philosophies right so okay so we've gone through the the concept of like, with, like exactly what yeah, yeah, yeah. And and what's interesting Sorry. here is that these philosophies kind of overlap a little bit from each other, right? Like, the Brotherhood taken to an extreme would be the Enclave. Just flat out. Um, you know, the these different organizations, they match and they, they connect in different ways. Um, so with that being said, if you were, let's put ourselves in, I always do this, but let's put ourselves in the shoes of somebody who is risen to the to, to lead the brotherhood. Let's say that you're in, it can either be in Appalachia or, you know, early on, or it can be in fallout four towards the end of it. Let in fact, like, let's go down that route. Let's go down the fallout four route. Cause more people have experience with that. It's been 200 years. The brotherhood has gone through a lot. The brotherhood is still very powerful. And let's say you secede Maxon in fallout four, you become the leader and it is now your job to do with this organization whatever you think is best for the wasteland what do you do what do you differently and what do you do the same is there a way to take that organization and make it work for the greater good and 
balance the individual current needs of the people who are suffering and the long-term needs of the human race like what do you do what decisions do you make is there a way or is it even possible is this like an impossible task victor so my first act is the is the fact of stop it Synths are people, ghouls are people, shut up. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, but besides that, the act of preservation has already been almost completed by the time we hit Fallout 4. And anything that can at that point be preserved, be it knowledge or technology that has mean, needs some certain particular maintenance, that has that job has been completed. And so in my opinion, at that point, that's the time for the Brotherhood, instead of holding inward and making sure they have all that knowledge together, mm-hmm. that is the time for the Brotherhood to open outwards. Not in the sense of accepting everybody, but educating the masses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to start um, a focus on educating and, and re... Uh, like, I, I get what you're saying here. Um, this is what happened uh, with Charlemagne after the fall of Rome. And yes. Victor, Victor studies history too. Charlemagne was one of the, like the first emperors to come about after the fall of Rome and was uneducated himself, could not read and write, but created laws after uniting much of what was Gaul back then, right? It was France mm-hmm. um, and united them and, and issued and, and practiced every night himself on learning to read and write as an adult, which is very difficult if you didn't grow up learning these things and then instituted laws that brought about schools and education across the population that was no longer under Roman rule and didn't have the, you know, the classical training of, of, of Rome. Um, so you're saying that that would be the way forward is to, is to take their, their power and open up opportunities for the regular people of the wasteland to come educate themselves, to come participate in what they have and get involved. And do you think that the, the wasteland would be receptible? Re- receptacle is not the word. Receptive? <laughs> um, I believe that they would. And this actually draws back to a conversation I ended up having with somebody in the Robots Radio server several months ago about why didn't the infrastructure just survive after the EMP blast? And I, I stated it was because there was a lack of trained personnel. Mm-hmm. Well, in the cap in the in the Commonwealth, as far as I can tell, it is way more populated than other Fallout games. There are just physically more people, mm-hmm. which means part of that holding this knowledge for the good of humanity. Military bases have to be completely self dependent in some ways, so they could educate the masses on how to start up the power plants, how to start up the water filtration, the sewers, electricity, things like just making sure that everybody's accounted for so that if a kid goes missing, they actually know to go, go look for them. Um, a lot of basic civilization infrastructure needs could be educated out of the Brotherhood of Steel. And on top of that, if you allow them to uh, educate at least basic self-defense, they can begin to work away at the raider problem, so to speak, as people can defend themselves. And also there might be raiders who, well, shoot, I can make a better living doing less work, but working in a water plant. Bye. Yeah. So that that would be my my purpose is to kind of go back to the original purpose of educating the masses on this technology for the betterment of mankind. Right, right. Lainey, you you raised your hand. Did you want to jump in there? 
I was just thinking, you know, and we're all kind of saying the same things right now about this because I think we we all agree that um, that it either they have to turn outward or they need to fulfill the role of some sort of government, right? And it's exactly what Victor is saying, where like they they have all the technology, they have all the information. What are they going to do if they just keep it? Right. It becomes fascism. It becomes they have all the power and no one else can do anything because that's all that's where it is. And so if they don't turn outwards, it what is the point? What is the point of having all of this technology? What is the point of having all all the information if you're not going to share it and actually turn the world into something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Aperture. I'm going to take that a step further and I say they either need to turn outward or go back to their original. Well, semi-original philosophy like what they're doing in new vegas and return to complete isolationism um because for the longest time the brotherhood of steel was an isolationist organization they lost a bunch of power they said they said all right the hell with all y'all we're going back to our bunkers we're gonna eat our canned beans right and that's it we're just gonna lock down and you guys are good luck good luck out there we're gonna take care yep. of ourselves yeah yeah so they either need to go outward and go to a degree of um, communism mm-hmm. and you know which you know they would never allow in fallout world <laughs> but um either go out or go in they, they have to play their hand completely. None of this wishy-washy, well, we're going to be in our bunker when we feel threatened, but when uh, it's convenient for us, we're going to come on out. No, that, that, that doesn't... You, you don't make friends that way. <laughs> yeah. So, here's another question. The Brotherhood in Fallout 4 gets a lot of grief, and, you know, rightfully so, for being anti-anything that's not human, right? Anti-ghoul, anti-everything, right? Assuming that they were pro ghoul they they were more inclusive the next thing that really shows up on their list like the, the big mandate at least that the thing that resonates or at least that i recall the most about the brotherhood in fallout 4 was this mission to cleanse the wasteland of dangerous things this is one of the reasons why they're anti-synth and anti-ghoul right is because they see them as dangers to humans now if we were to tweak that a little bit and say they're okay with synths, they're okay with ghouls, and they have a mission. Their mission is not necessarily to rule, their mission is not necessarily to re-educate, but their mission is to be a force that roots out and destroys dangers in the wasteland. Do you think that could work? And do you think that it would be a good goal to have? Let's go to Fire, because Fire hasn't chimed in in a little while. I think it would really... You don't just come into another country i guess for lack of something else and say hey we're here to help cleanse <laughs> exterminate we're gonna exterminate <laughs> it's all the beasts. bad thing to do you know and even if even if you're going after uh you know the more dangerous creatures you, you still don't really do that without checking with the locals first that's just uh-huh. Now, that's assuming such, assuming they were to they didn't type behavior. right, assuming just, they didn't just like fly in. Like, let's say let's say they they go to Diamond City and mm-hmm. they drive up and they knock on the door and they say, "Hey, Mayor So and So, whatever his name was, um, we're here. We're not going to take any of your stuff. We don't we don't want any of your stuff. We're not going to recruit from your your people. You know, your members. We are here. Our main job is to stay here for the next few months, however long it takes." in order to root out all of the most dangerous creatures and destroy them. 
because we are basically now an extermination force trying to make the wasteland safer again. And we're, we're you know, we're not going to attack humans. It doesn't matter if they're raiders. It doesn't matter if you have like a debate with some other settlement and you guys are having problems. That's not our job. We're not joining you with that at all. But, you know, please let us know where the locations of, you know, death claws t- tend to be locally. Meyer lurks. You know, anything that is of a significant threat and we will root it out and we will kill it. And all that we ask for you is some cooperation. And, you know, and and if if you come across a Brotherhood member in need, please give them a place to stay. You know, like like we're here, we're going to help you, but that's it. We're just doing this because that's our mission, because we think that's going to make the world a better place. Honestly, I would be suspicious because what's in it for them? There's it's. Nobody's ever completely altruistic. That, that's just completely... That, that's not how the world works, and that's definitely not how the Fallout world works. So if somebody came to me with that offer, I, I would absolutely be wondering what their end goal was, and if they're trying to take me for a ride. I would never believe that. Mm-hmm. Well, what if their end goal was, okay, and in order to do this, we need... We have priority on any newfound technology. Please keep your hands off. I'd still have a lot of questions. I mean, that seems like what they're really looking for, right? That's that's the ask. The ask is like, by the way, you know, like that radio tower over there, you guys can't go there anymore. We're that's ours now. You know, that nuclear power plant over there, you guys can't go there anymore. That's ours now. Anything we find in the bowels of that building, right? Like, don't even ask. This is this is now ours. I'd I'd be very afraid then of them coming in with this hey, here we are to solve all your problems. Oh, by the way, now we're going to hoard all the technology and oh, look how powerful we just happened right, to and, get. And lord over mm. you. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, interesting, so. interesting thoughts. All right, Aperture, and I, I'm, it's like everybody all of a sudden wanted to chime in on that one. Um, Nighttime, did you have something? I know you haven't chimed in in a minute. Yeah, I mean, that's not too dissimilar what they did in Fallout 3. I mean, they, they wanted to wipe out as much as the super mutants as they could because, to be honest, it's not like they're just doing it just to be altruistic. Yeah, I mean, it's a serious problem for the people of the Wasteland, but I mean, you can't operate in an area where you have, you know, hostiles. If you're trying to under, uh, take out, if you're trying to look through all these military bases and you're trying to discover a lot of technology, it makes it a lot harder to conduct sweeping operations when you're dealing with, you know, super mutants. I mean, it's not like they're just doing it for fun. It makes it a lot easier to move stuff around and, you know, because otherwise, you have to have combat teams everywhere. Mm-hmm. It makes you have to double up the amount or triple up the amount of soldiers you have on each mission, rather than just ha- dealing with a you know local group of raiders. You're, you know, you know how much ammo you need to put down super mutants. It's insane. <laughs> right, right, right. Victor, <laughs> you're shooting guns in the air. <laughs> Victor. So there's a couple parts to that. One, um, with the nature of the question of what is a person in Fallout has been as discussed with synths, with ghouls, and with situations like Curie or mm-hmm. um, androids. Cons- yeah, robots. There are sane super mutants. I love Nanny in Fallout, Fallout New Vegas. I love Strong mm-hmm. <laughs> so much in Fallout Four. Mm-hmm. I will find him the milk of human kindness. I swear to God. But it's. The question of what is a person and what is a monster, mm-hmm. in the view of somebody who is trying to exterminate all all of these dangerous creatures, 
they may not want to take the time to make sure. Um, right. Because what's the difference between a feral ghoul and a ghoul who woke up before his coffee and you've pissed him off? Right, 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 right. Or, or a ghoul who's just been out in the wasteland and feels threatened and starts shooting back before you even have the opportunity to have a conversation with him, right? Like, exactly. oh, he must, be, he must be feral. Yeah. Right. And, you know, even with the exception of, like, a Virgil god, and then there's another super mutant who can speak normally in three. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When you've got characters like, I don't even remember her name. I just call her Nana, the the grandma from Fallout New Vegas. Yeah. And Strong, they yeah. sound exactly like unsafe super mutants. Oh, sure, sure. Now, but the, they themselves are safe. Right. So the, the natural question to this, then, is because the... Because you come across dozens and dozens and dozens or hundreds and hundreds of dangerous super mutants and the chances of coming across a sane super mutant is so, so remotely small. Is it one of those? It's the, the question, the, uh, the the car question, the, the do you switch the train tracks over question that Aperture was getting to. Is it better for everyone to just make the sweeping decisions that super mutants, no matter what, are better off dead? for the benefit of humanity as a whole. No, because that is literally the literally the start of the slippery slope. Because if you're like, okay, well, there are same super mutants, but most of them are dangerous, so they're an acceptable casualty. Well, we know plenty of sane ghouls, but how many feral ghouls have you killed right. in a particular game? Oh, sure, sure. And, and then that know, raises the question, though. Like, would it be okay... For the benefit of humanity to just kill off all the ghouls. And I know, I know, I know in our position, in our position right now, it's hard for me to even ask that question because my gut's like, well, of course not. But if you're in a situation where you are at, my apologies, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'll just finish real quick. If you're in a situation where it is the dire needs of human beings who are about to be exterminated and extinct because the wasteland is so very dangerous. Do you even have the time to ask that question? Most of the time depends on when in when in the fallout timeline we are, because by the time we get even to three, yeah, life is tough. But, you know, you're not exactly be at danger of being completely overrun by super mutants in uh, Rivet City, mm-hmm. so to speak. Right. Um, and I would compare it as, you know, we go down that path of super mutants, you know, more dangerous than they are calm. They're more dangerous than they are calm. There are plenty of, you know, it's the only reason you can tell apart a Mr. Han, uh, a Mr. Handy and a Mr. Gutsy is because Mr. Gutsy has that voice. Right. <laughs> right. To right. Me, to me. Is it better to kill all it, robots? It's eventually going to go down to the path of, do you use the Enclave virus from three? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's. Because the thing is, is that there's only so many supplies. How can we save humanity? Right, right. It leads to that. Well, and you think about how many raiders are in the wasteland. Are human like this? Could even ask. You could even ask the question: Are humans better off dead than not? And I think that this is exactly where you get to with a lot of apocalyptic literature: is that you end up with the in group and the out group, and it doesn't matter human, ghoul, whatever. It doesn't matter. Either you're part of our in group or you are the enemy, and you are worth killing. And that's usually where these things devolve into, right, Aperture? That is the exact same argument that the master made. You change around a couple words in the statement you just made, you switch humans to super mutants, you, and you swap around their places, that is the exact same argument. So if you look at the master, and you think that 
that he is a villain, you have your answer right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting though how uh, the reason I ask these things isn't because I'm trying to again say that one that this is this is the way it should be. Everyone should just fight everybody. No, like no, that's not my point. Um, my point is, it, it, like Victor was saying, you've got this slippery slope. It's you, it's not actually that far to go from everybody's a person to everybody who's not me and my group deserve to die like that distance you can incrementally move to it very very quickly because you just have to just move that line a little bit and move that line a little bit more and move that line a little bit more and all of a sudden you're way over here and again this this deals with a lot of issues that we deal with in the world like the idea of who the out group is and i mean it's it's a it's a wonderful dilemma because when we see it in these stories, it seems usually our own philosophy takes over and we go, well, clearly that philosophy is wrong and that philosophy is right. But when you actually put yourself in those situations, I have a feeling that many of us would be further on that scale in one direction or another than we actually think we might be due to the circumstances and the dire situation and our lack of nutrients and lack of sleep and uh, the amount of PTSD that we have from dealing with things in the wild and and you know, maybe you were attacked by feral ghouls, so you just inherently emotionally have a hard time trusting anybody who looks like that at all. You know, like so philosophically, you go, Well, everybody's a person, these are people too. They're they look like ghouls, but they're people too. But emotionally, you have a very hard time having a conversation with, with somebody who looks like that because you were so damaged and threatened by somebody else who looked like that. Same thing with the super mutant. Like the distance from one thing to another is very, very short. You can make that same argument for raiders. Raiders look and act and talk like this. Raiders invaded my farm when I was little and killed my family. Now I have a hard time trusting anybody who looks or acts or talks like that, even if they're not a raider. Like, that's a very human thing. And yet, most of us would agree that, no, that's wrong. You should take somebody as an individual and learn who they are. But, but it's actually, that distance is very short. And it's, and it's something that we deal with, with human, as humans all the time. And I think it's really interesting um, because it really does take us having to make the effort to be better people, make the effort to give somebody the opportunity, make the effort to fight against our natural emotional response in order to make the logical decision that, no, this is a person and I need to get over the fact that they look like a ghoul, you know, like it, I don't know. I, I don't want to preach about this stuff, but I, I think that those things are very, very much connected or very interesting. All right. Well, now that I'm done preaching about that, any other thoughts on this? <laughs> So, okay, so where do we end up with, okay, Victor, go ahead. I, I would state that yet again, the question of how that would come across depends vastly on where in the timeline are you? Mm -hmm. Because if you're talking about 2087, you're going to have a completely different attitude from somebody out of 2287 due to the way that the world evolves. Um, in in 2087, I would not be surprised at all if somebody was absolutely terrified of ghouls. And then, of course, there's the scorched in Appalachia. Sure, there's there's no context whatsoever. But by the time you get even to New Vegas, much less Fallout Four, while they are disliked by a huge amount of smooth skins, ghouls have integrated themselves into society. It's been far run, but they've done it. Mm -hmm. and 
So asking, putting yourself in that, that situation, it's again, a point of where in the timeline and where are you? Are you a lone settlement out in like the, out on the other side of the sure. Roaring Sea? Sure. Sure. Or are you in Diamond City? Right. There, there's a couple of things that, that definitely change the attitude there, but I don't think it's quite as black and white as you may. I know you weren't trying to do anything mm-hmm. like that, but like putting yourself in there, it's not just a black and white. I'm here. I'm in fallout. It's there's a whole bunch of nuance on both sides. Oh yeah. Of, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it depends on, uh, it depends on the, uh, the summation of all of those things. Where do you live? What time period? What are your own personal experiences? Like all of that stuff adds up to some sort of natural inclination that you then have to either go with or fight against. Right. And um, yeah. Yeah. It's just, that would be something for me to just mostly say is like, if you're thinking, if you want to take that thought exercise, just remember someone in fallout one is going to have a completely different life experience than someone in fallout four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Solid point. Solid point. All right. So where do we end up after all of this? Like, are we, I don't know when you play with a game and let, let's bring it up to fallout 76. When you play in Fallout 76 and you're given the dilemma of do you go with a more Lions-esque perspective? Do you go with a less inclusive perspective? Do you avoid dealing with the Brotherhood at all? Uh, One of the things that's interesting about the storyline in Fallout 76 when you deal with the Brotherhood is that you can actually be doing the quests and also working against them at the same time. You can go on missions to follow your orders and then say, screw it, we're going to do it this way. Or, haha, this will really stick it to them like you can take those kinds of options where do you guys fall in that do you feel like it's better to go with the flow and just kind of make it as good as possible or do you feel like you know we need to tear this thing down and i can do it from the inside so why not victor i would state that actually i really personally i probably wouldn't interact with the brotherhood too much because just due to the both the kind of person i am and the kind of knowledge I've kind of amassed, not not super studying, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that I research into. And then just overall, the responders were there first. They were doing the most good. And so in the situation of 76, where you're talking about that, you've got the Brotherhood of Steel who's coming over, who they may have dropped all of the ranking names from the United States forces, but they're still they still have the attitude, so to speak. Right. And I, I haven't played 76. And they, I they, do. Even really they do. They do. That's accurate. I haven't they, really looked into the lore of the modern, more recent updates. But my viewpoint would be like, okay, where were you guys 25 years ago? We've already got this established of a network of people and a network of mm-hmm. caches. Uh, we have we are recognizable in the Appalachia as helpful people on a personal level with medicine primarily. Right. Well, to, to jump in on that a little bit, both, um, both the responders by, by the time this expansion comes out, in fact, by the time you leave the vault, the responders have died. They've been killed off. The brotherhood that was formed by Taggarty's group also died and was killed off. Um, both oh. groups were at, uh, were cooperating, working together, and then were unable to cooperate at some point. And the Brotherhood was holding off the Scorched while the responders were trying to come up or trying to finish their uh, vaccine for the Scorch stuff. The Brotherhood 
failed and went down and then the responders were overrun so okay. i was not as aware, aware right right of so that. so in the situation that we're in now the responders don't currently exist as a living group there is an individual you come across in the wasteland who is trying to start the responders back up and she's going through the training but she's just one person with a dog and the brotherhood that is there now has crossed the country from the west and is now resettling in Appalachia in order to pick up the you know the reins of, of the group that was there before and continue some of the things they were doing um so that's where they're at that makes sense Victor so it's a little bit different uh nighttime you want to jump in yeah what was uh one of the things about the brotherhood in Appalachia is that they had created an entire defense network and they had kept the power plant um thunder mountain nuclear power station up and running to keep the power for a lot of people on that side of the mountain range um they did have a lot of restraint they decided not to use the nuclear ordinance that they had access to to try to destroy the the scorch beast queen um if they had done that they probably wouldn't have been able to uh, wipe them out um but it was like a failure of a lot of things you had all these different groups that were working not with each other but trying right. to find their own avenues kind of and, parallel but not yeah. completely cooperatively yeah 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 um, and, and Lainey, I talk about that on some of the most recent episodes, how like had they actually been working together, then maybe they there would have been hope for Appalachia. They could have come together and really supported things in a very coordinated way. But instead, they were doing their own things. And that's why they actually all went down, uh, which is unfortunate. So in the situation we're in now, the Brotherhood has returned, or at least this group of Brotherhood is there now. And what do you do? Like, do you work with them? It seems like. You could use their help. The Scorched are still out there. Um, you know, you have a, a vaccine finally, but basically Appalachia has turned into a bunch of people who left a vault. The the settlers that came over, multiple raider groups, and everyone else who was there for the last 25 years has died off. So it's all new people. So given that that's the equation, is the Brotherhood worth cooperating with? Victor? I would say that they are worth watching mm -hmm. um, in the sense of they're, they're already an organization. They already have at least some kind of idea of what they're going to do as soon as they get settled. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit mistrustful of, of those sort of organizations. And so I would watch to see not only what they do, but how they do it and how they interact with the people around them while they do it. People who are not, not brotherhood. Mm -hmm. uh, that would color my opinions. Right, right. They're particularly uh, not very nice to people who aren't the Brotherhood in 76. One of your first interactions with the Brotherhood is talking to civilians for them <laughs> that yes. are asking for their help. And when you go to, what's his face? Um, I can't think of his name. One the, of the guys you talked to? The main guy, no. Oh, uh, Shin? Shin? Yeah, Shin. Sergeant Douchebag? Like, That's what I call him. And you tell him what the civilians are asking for. He's just like, nope, next, nope, next. Yeah. Like, if you've listened to any of the gameplay episodes, I, every time I every time I have to go talk to him again, I'm asking him if the size of the stick up his butt has, has shrunk at all yet. <laughs> that's that's my <laughs> I was listening to that the other day. It's it's accurate, but I understand where he's coming from just because of the fact that not only do they have the manpower, but for the Brotherhood to put themselves in a situation where they um, are basically doing the same thing the Minutemen would be doing, mm -hmm. and that's something the people out there need to form their own Minutemen group. Right. Um, it's 
I don't know. It's like my point of view. I think the Brotherhood of Steel is fine as long as they stay out of everybody's way. It just, I mean, the reason that they're back in Appalachia is because that observatory is the ability to control the weather. Right. And, I mean, that's not something you want. I mean, they're trying to catalog that and figure out how it works. Um, eventually, yeah, that'd be a really nice thing to have. You could, you know, make sure it doesn't snow too much. People have good summers for crops. And Yeah, I mean, it, it, it solves a lot of food problems. Yeah, especially yeah. in that region where there's little, there's lower, lower radiation. But it's mm-hmm. like when I was playing the the Steel Dawn, and I'm not going to give any spoilers. But you get to this turning point where you can either follow the one person that adamantly adheres to the to the tenets of the Brotherhood, and then you have the other person that wants to forego all the tenets of the Brotherhood and then put themselves in a situation where they become the regional power structure and then they take control of everything in the region. They distribute aid, they distribute resources, and that's what you can kind of... And you can either subvert all their um, efforts regardless, but it's it's odd, you know? I, I, I like the tenets of the Brotherhood because you're not really putting yourself in a situation where you're controlling how other people are living their lives and you're not making people dependent upon you. You're just doing your own thing and you're just left your own devices where the other way is like, okay, now you're doing the Minutemen's job. You're putting yourself in the position of a military organization that has no over over governing structure, which is dangerous because if you get the wrong people in, they just, you're basically a glorified Raider group. Right. Right. Yeah. Power is very dangerous in a place where the, (laughs) There's things are very uh, not leveled. The playing field is not level across across the way. Yeah, it's interesting. I, it's, there's not an easy answer, which is what makes this stuff interesting. And every situation in each of the games is a little bit different. The balance is a little bit changed. Um, anybody have any closing thoughts on any of this? Kind of getting to the end of it. Aperture? Power corrupts and total power corrupts totally my thought on the the brotherhood they are a group with a lot of power and when they start out with an initially an altruistic uh plan it will inevitably lead to them abusing the power that they get yeah that's why i believe that the brotherhood of steel should exist do what they need to do and then go away (laughs) yeah I have to wonder in a situation like in any of these situations where you have the brotherhood and let's say they're recruiting, would you be able, let's say you're growing up a poor farmer in the wasteland, you find out the brotherhood is recruiting. Would you be able to turn that down? You know, the hardships of the wasteland, you know, yeah, you know that like you could be part of this group. It'll be a dangerous life, but it'll be a dangerous life plus power, armor, and laser weapons. That's more would than you, you have, have as a farmer. Would you and should you are two very different questions. Oh, very different questions. But I have to wonder how many of us would turn that down. I know I wouldn't. I disagree with them. But I know, sure as shit, uh, you got one situation where you have a, a toilet and a shower and a suit of power armor, and you have a situation where you have a potato farm. Yeah, seems like an easy answer to me. Right, right. And Crystal mentions, and they have scientists too. I mean, your role could be different, but the, the point is that one of those two situations, you're more likely to survive longer <laughs> in one than the other, right? Anytime, did you want to jump in? Um, 
was it there in the steel dawn update you do have the option of taking a couple of recruits and i refused them because they were just two farm kids and oh you refused both of them oh that's interesting yeah Yeah. oh i didn't think they had any business coming with me you have a character that i've been playing for so long and then you take two kids off of a farm away from their parents and i don't know what these kids capabilities are but i thought it was really irresponsible to take these two children and put them in a combat situation with me not knowing anything about them or what they can do and so i just told him no i'm like stay with your family interesting 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 okay that's cool oh sorry go Go ahead ahead. Uh, i was gonna say that one kid though that had the accident the other thing i think that'd be a better candidate for the brotherhood obviously one of them yeah i don't want to go too spoiler with with this stuff one of them was more uh physically adept and one of them was more mentally adept that was kind of the big difference between the two but the one kid that had the accident i think he'd be a better candidate for the scribes because yeah. he was extremely technical. Right. He had made a mistake. Right. He didn't have any business, you know, handling weapon systems, but if he could reprogram terminals and he could do a lot right. of stuff and right. that's, he could find a new life. That's kind of the split there is like, do you take the one that could be a fighter or the one that could be a scribe? Like one, one's going to be in, obviously going to go in the night track and it's going to be out there in the field. And one of them is going to go the scribe track and, and do that stuff. That's kind of the dilemma, but you went with neither, which is interesting. Victor. Um, just on parting thoughts, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and the Brotherhood of Steel was made with good intentions. But the original mandate was vague enough that it could be altered later in time, as shown with um, Lyons, as shown with Maxon, as shown with Father Elijah. And overall, you end up having an organization overall that when you're talking about the day-to-day or possibly generation-to-generation um, actions, it's less about the mandate and it's more of who's in charge and if you agree with them or not. And that's, that's what colors everything. Because with Lions, you did have detractors. Mm-hmm. Um, I always remember them for some reason. I always forget what they're called. But Father Elijah was kicked out. And I'm not sure if we had any dissenters on the Pridwin. Likely not, because it was the Pridwin. <laughs> but you have the Brotherhood of Steel not acting on a on a mandate or overstanding orders. You have the Brotherhood of Steel interacting with the rest of the waste on the basis of, well, this is who's in charge, and this is what they think, so this is what we're going to do. Or, this is who's in charge, this is what they think, I think they're wrong, we're going to do something else. Mm-hmm. And that's how the Brotherhood acts on a day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year basis. And I don't think that's good for any kind of organization. At least with the Minutemen, you have this idea of creating a community, which could be passed down from leader to leader. Right. But the Brotherhood, it's too vague. Yeah. Cool. Any other last thoughts on this, Fire? Well, I think that the Brotherhood is a really good warning because we've seen it time and time again throughout history. What happens when one person with gnarly ideas and some charisma gets up in front of everybody else and says, this is what we're going to do. And everybody just follows along without right. really considering it. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to make everything better for everybody. Like, yeah. Anytime someone says that. Yeah. Warning. Really <laughs> Warning sign. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. All right, guys. Well, this has been super fun. Thank you for joining me again. I think this conversation went some really interesting directions. I think, uh, I think we're able to take a look at it and you know dig into it in ways that 
I think were really, really cool. I'm glad you guys joined me for this episode. Why don't we go back through anybody who wants to talk about how people can get a hold of you or any projects you're working on, share anything like that. Feel free, feel free to do that. Let's just go back. Let's go backwards through alphabetically. Victor, you got anything going on or ways people can get a hold of you? Um, well, not only am I uh, part of the Robots Radio server, but also if you follow Firewriters Fantastic uh, podcast, I uh, help out there as well. And so if you have any kind of interest of talking about video games and history and or literature or just the part, the ways that video games become a little bit richer because they relate back to things in our world, just at me. It's Victor with a K and mm -hmm. <laughs> I will give you give give you as much time as I can at that time because I love video games and I love history and that's two great flavors that taste great that. together. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Nighttime. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me and just get me on Discord. Other than that, um, you know, I play this game, that game. I know you guys are on PS4. Um, I still haven't gotten around to getting a copy for the one downstairs, but I'm mostly on PC. So yeah, I'm mostly on that, PC. Uh, yeah, yeah. Some do of these guys are. Do I play what? Do you play regularly with uh, some of the other people in the group? You know, I, I'll play it during the day sometimes when I stream live. Uh, I really jump in with other people, but I'm not against I play it. I a it's lot just, with other people on PC. Yeah, well, Lainey does. Work, yeah. So. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the dilemma. Um, yeah, yeah. But if you do, if ever you do turn it on and you see me in game, feel free to join me or follow me into a mission or whatever. Cool. Like, I'm not against it. Um, sometimes I'll be actually playing on. The, my old computer downstairs so I can sit in the room with my wife and I don't have my voice set up there So I might not be able to chat, but I can we can definitely run around together for sure Just tell me where to shoot. Yeah, like really just like hey, let's go do this event. Okay, cool And I'll give you I'll give you the big thumbs up emote and then I'll do the barf emote You know, I'll do you know, we'll dance like a robot a little bit. It'll be it fun. It works. Yeah, totally Awesome. All right, um fire rider Hey, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Technology is hard. Uh, Firewriter all over the place on Twitter, on Twitch, on PlayStation, on PC, on whatever. On the Pixel Just, People podcast. Yes. Yes. Pixel People podcast. Yeah. Uh, and Fires, yeah. Fires, we've got what, you're five episodes in now? Is that it? Dude, eight. Eight. Why was I at five? Am I thinking of something else? Eight episodes. Holy <laughs> crap. Um, eight episodes in. You're eight episodes in. You're part of our Rocket Club, which is which is growing. We now have four shows as part of the Rocket Club group, which are up and coming new podcasts. And um, and your show's been growing too. You showed me the little graph the other day of like yeah. listeners yeah. moving up. That's awesome. That's very cool. Also, she won't say it herself. The last two episodes were with Danny Shirago, the voice of Hancock. Well, there you go. Go listen to the Pixel People. You'll hear uh, Hancock's voice actor on two episodes. Pretty awesome. And uh, two people here as well. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Not at the same time, obviously, but. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And go check out her streams, too. She streams mostly evenings, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm uh, West Coast. So after I get off work. So. Right. Right. West Coast evenings. <laughs> West Coast evenings. Well, cool. Mostly. And then uh, Aperture, whose video is coming back on. Aperture. What do you got? <clears throat> well, first I'll stop choking on my tea. <clears throat> um, you can follow the Canuck in a Big Truck uh, on all the social medias at uh, Aperture underscore Flash. That's A-P-E-R-T-U-R-E-S underscore F-L-A-S-H. 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter, which I'm really trying to build right now. And, uh, you know, five out of five, I would recommend my Twitter. That's, but that's just me talking. Um, <laughs> sh- shockingly little gaming content, uh, but there's a lot of photographs, and I think they're very pretty. Um, you can also, I have a Twitch, I almost never use it. Um, but you can hear me rant and rave on that from time to time. Um, but if you really, really want to get the message across to me, write it down on a piece of wax paper in crayon and take a lighter and burn it under the full moon. Next week, I'll make my tea. I'll tear open the tea bag. I'll drink the cup down in one swig and I will read your message in the tea leaves. And I'll get back to you on Discord. <laughs> Do crayons write well on wax paper? It's like wax on wax. <laughs> I have to imagine that that doesn't work very well. Why don't you send me a message and find out? <laughs> we'll try it out. We'll try it out. We'll try it out. I don't know. Aperture Aperture is creative enough. I think maybe you're the the mechanist. Um <laughs> Look, look! Can you do look. it? You can say, uh, say, I am the mechanist. The way the mechanist does it. Uh, okay, you know what? I've actually got, I've actually got something uh, planned out for this. Um, Did I hit on something? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I am the mechanist. I am the mechanist. I only scream my raps when I am pissed. I am the mechanist. I am the mechanist. Say- Guess rapper's gonna get dissed. I am the mechanist. I am the mechanist. My shiny metal ass, it's gonna get kissed. I am the mechanist. I am the mechanist. All the Twitch streamers going down the list. I am the mechanist. Wow, I am the mechanist. Going. You're gonna be me and you're gonna get the mecha fist. I am the mechanist. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, well, we solved that issue. We now know who the mechanist is. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious that was great that was great um thank you uh, we should i mean we're gonna have to, somebody clip that somebody clip that and share it on social media send it send it out to my account and wherever else you know all the other accounts the only reason that i have not put that on twitter is because i don't know how to put it over a beat oh well then you can't be the mechanist <laughs> you have a laptop right do you have a laptop I think so. I'm on it right now. Yeah, right. You got a laptop with you. Go get it. Go get a what is it? Audacity. It's a free program. You just put one track and then put another track and then just export it as a as an MP3. That's all you got to do. That's enough. It'll okay. be it'll be fine. Um, yeah. No, that hashtag inspired that little that little poem right there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Anyway, if if you guys don't know what we're talking about, then you're not on Twitter. But go 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 on Twitter and go follow any of our accounts. There's some ridiculous rap battles happening. Go check it out. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> All right, Lainey, I think we're down to you. What's going on? Anything to share or talk about? Oh, you saved the best for last. No. Are, are you going to rap for us too? No. Oh. <laughs> Wait, so you're not the ant ant agonizer? The ant agonizer. <laughs> agonizer. Oh, hello, hello. I. You should you should become you like the um uh the mistress of mysteries or something, and and then start and just oh, just jump in. I could, I could be uh who's, who's the oh no the um uh, who else is on the unstoppables i grognak i could be grognak grognak has to talk like um he's got to talk like arnold right right i could do like a grognak arnold voice anyway you're the mistress of mysteries i'm grognak we're gonna do it don't tell anyone <laughs> 
Hush, hush. Hush, hush. <laughs> but yeah, you guys know me. I oh, someone clipped it. Oh, there we go. Awesome. Thank there you, Crystal. You Thank you, Crystal. Um, but yeah, I stream pretty frequently. I used to do it almost every day. I'm like getting back into that. Uh, but like as you guys know, I moved and then I was sick for a long time. But we're good. We're we're back in the swing of things, which is awesome. And what else? I don't have a whole lot else going on right now. Mostly just streaming. Uh, but you can reach me here on Twitch as Neos Pandora, or in the Discord as Neos Pandora, or you can hop into my Discord if anyone's curious about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's a Neos Pandora server, <laughs> so you can just search Neos Pandora on the internet, and I I'm sure that I will pop up somewhere, and you can find a way to reach me if your heart desires. Also, Sushi says hi because she keeps walking on my keyboard. Aww. Everyone say hi to Sushi. Hi, Sushi. Please tell, please tell Sushi that I love her, un- like, I love her completely. She's incredible. Love and her she completely. Do love, and she loves you too. She's tiny. She's almost a year old and she's the size of a tiny kitten and she will never get bigger. This is uh, it. There you go. So <laughs> I think I'm having a heart attack. I'm going to try it. Cat, cat is an elite small cat. <laughs> My other cat is a giant. He's not even an adult yet and he's like 17 pounds. <laughs> Oh, I'm chunky gonna, boy, chunky boy. I'm trying. I'm trying something here. I wonder now that we're now you got me thinking. I wonder if I can make the real mechanist account if it's available. It's probably available on Twitter. I'm looking right now, and then I could turn on. Let me try that. I was doing the voices in the pre-show. Let me see. If, like I've turned back on that megaphone sound. That was the one that sounded check. Oh, what's it doing? Hold on. Check. Kind of like it. It's like Buddy Bot though. I could I could try to imitate the mechanist. The mechanist you, gotta, you gotta do it in a cup. Yeah, in a maybe if I turn the check, 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 check. It's just too high. Check, check. I am the mechanist. It's close. Anyway, maybe I could do the real mechanist account. Just a few more hours, Tom. Just, just. I, I just a have few to get more it, hours of practice. I just have to get it close enough, and then I have to figure out how to wrap, and then I've got it. Anyway, thank you everybody for joining us. You guys are awesome. I love having our chats every week. This is or every month, every week. That would be crazy. Uh, every month. <laughs> Thank you for being here. And, uh, you know, totally normal stuff going on with me, you know, just doing my podcasts and hanging out with you guys. Some like Aperture jumped in the stream middle of the day today as I was editing content. So, you know, if you see the account go live in the middle of the day, I'm probably editing content and hanging out and t- chatting with everybody. That's a really cool conversations. So, all right, guys, I'll see you next week. Thank you for being here. Talk to you guys later. Have a good one. The show is brought to you by our generous patrons at Patreon. That's the wrong button. Hello there. That's the wrong button. Any questions? That's the right. There we go. To plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Also, look up the Robots Radio YouTube for videos about Fallout and other things. And check us out on Twitter, twitter.com slash robotsradio. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. The Real Mechanist is not available on Twitter. It's available on Facebook. On Reddit. Got a checker. <laughs> that sucks. You just a scrar. No, that's not good. Sus. Sus. I'm, <laughs> fire fire now thinks I'm the mechanist. I should go. I'm fire. I'm I am the mechanist. I already did the I am the mechanist thing. I should do it again.
I hope you're proud of my proud of yourself. You made me laugh so hard I went into a mild asthma attack and I can't find my fucking inhaler. Oh no! Listen, no. If I can tell a joke so good, if I can land it so perfectly that it almost kills a friend I've had for ten years. I mean, that's what that means, right? When you say that joke killed. Yeah, that's, that's, that's just what it means. That's exactly what that it means. Also, it's closer to like eight years at this point, not five. No, I said it. I said ten years, yo. We've been friends for a decade. Wow. We've been friends. We've been friends for over a decade. You guys are old. I've had for over a decade. It's pretty cool. Okay, Florida man. <laughs> Florida man. Yeah, all of those news articles are about me. I'm I'm the mechanist. I'm also Florida man. What else? What else can I claim tonight? Um, I don't know how I got all this stuff done. If you're Florida man, you clearly know where to get bath salts. Yes. Elvis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brotherhood of Steel Elder. El- Elvis. Elder Did you say Elvis? No, Elder Tom makes bath Elder. salts in his bathtub. <laughs> that's that's what's left in the bathtub after I get out. Those are called bath salts. <laughs> and he packages um, that and sells it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's I have an OnlyFans site where I just show pictures of bath salts. <laughs> Podcaster boy bath salts. <laughs> yep. That's it. There's no other images. It's just bath salts. That's it. No. Gnarly. <laughs> Podcast gamer bath water. Oh god. Yep. <laughs> it's not even the water. I it's just. Got, I already got somebody in my stream being a creep. Oh no. Oh. Oh no. Oh. <laughs> was like fastest ban. Uh, yeah, that happens. <laughs> yeah. That happens. Like okay, you're disgusting. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had uh we had one the other week where somebody kept on subscribing. Was it last week, Laney? Where somebody kept on subscribing with these like slightly lewd or no they were following it's like they made an account with a slightly lewd username and then you could tell that they like went away made another account and like 10 15 minutes later came back followed under another username that was kind of lewd and then they did it like three times and eventually i just called it out i was like i was like this troll is hilarious and then they stopped doing it like i was like it doesn't bother us like I just yeah, want to tell yeah. you. Right. Mom, I stopped because you pink shamed me. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so sorry I was late, guys. I had a, I had a guy literally... I, I had everything set up uh, to, to, to be on time, to be ready, to have everything going. I, what, I was going to the bathroom 40 minutes before the stream started. And this guy is parked in a van next to me. And he's a fucking psychopath. And he cornered me. And he just was ranting and raving and telling me about all the millions of dollars he lost and how it all goes up towards the fucking... Lizard um, people. Government. Lizard people. It's always lizard people. Mm -hmm. Definitely the lizard people. It's the lizard people. Justin Trudeau is fucking... You find all kinds at the truck stop. And he pounded on my door twice during the stream and... I saw you flipping out. You were like trying to look out the curtain, and then you just started shaking. <laughs> well, uh, that's that was after I fucking had to talk to him because if I didn't, he knows I'm in here. He'd just keep knocking. <laughs> Jeez, like, dude, I have a life. Go get. Be like, dude, on the phone later. Talk to the hand. Do you yeah, try that? Like- that's that's timely. Have you heard that expression before, guys? Sure. That's a new one going around. You put your hand up and you say, oh, yeah. you point at it like this and you go, talk to my hand. 
That's what the kids are doing. Literally never ever heard it before. No? You're a genius. No, it's that's what the kids are doing. Consider. Oh, Damn, I got a I got cool. a bag full of stuff. That's next cool. time you're around. <laughs> Oh, wow. I don't have cool stuff. I've got googly eyes. I got these googly eyes. <laughs> All right. See you later. Yeah, I'm going to get going too. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Have a good rest of your night. You too. Oh, hey, Tom, if I do send you a recipe, will you, uh, for a, a follow up themed recipe, put it up? Will I do what? Recording. Put it on. I send you a, rec- I send you a recorded high. A. a- all the background noise eliminated, and it, the real microphone. If I record me doing a Myler gumbo recipe, will you? Well, I should. Would I put it on the episode? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll put it. I'll put it at the end. <laughs> do it like binging with Babish, where you, like you just film it and then you have to voice over it. Oh, but then I actually have to make gumbo. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> well, the thing about the thing about doing cooking shows, and we've talked about this with Beelzebub, who's a regular. The thing, and I'm trying to get him to do cooking shows because he sends me pictures of his food all the time, and he's doing like these like follow recipes and stuff. The thing about cooking shows is it doesn't have to taste good because nobody else will know. It just has to look good. <laughs> that is fair. Right? That is fair. You can't taste the video. <laughs> yes. Did you guys see a video where the lady she made an artichoke dip and she brought it on a news show? And no. they were started to eat it, and they were like, "Why does it taste like vinegar?" She goes, "It's really interesting. I didn't put any vinegar." In it. And then they started freaking. Out. It oh, was probably god. one of the cruelest jokes I've ever seen. But they did it on a live. Oh party. god! Oh, oh god! Like, people were like spitting it up, and they're like, "What is it?" She's like, "I don't know. It just came out weird this time." <laughs> awesome! Everyone's like, "Oh, we're gonna be sick." But she's smiling the whole time and not eating it, and just watching it. Wow! <laughs> yeah, that was planned. That's evil. She's about to quit. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's like right before the mic drop of quitting. Yeah. 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 All, right, so guys. All right, guys. Have a good night. I'll see you guys see later. You Bye. I gotta go. Bye. Bye, chat. Bye. Thanks for being here. <laughs>